Good evening from Israel to everybody. Um, tonight's uh, webinar is the Temple Mount, how the current situation evolved and the status today uh, with Yifa Siegel. Uh, just a little bit about Yifa. Advocate Yifa Siegel is an expert in international law, consulting for various organizations, primarily UK lawyers for Israel. Uh, she's a former chief of staff to Israel's ambassador to the United States and former chair and CEO of the International Legal Forum. She was the joint director of Tadspit uh, Press Service, an Israeli news agency that disseminated real-time reports and footage to media outlets around the world. Um, uh, Yifa has a BA from the University of Haifa and an MA from Tel Aviv University. Just uh, a little bit of housekeeping so everyone understands how this is going to go. Uh, at the beginning, uh, for about 15 minutes, uh, Yifa and I will have a conversation. I'll ask her questions and I'll ask her to elaborate on them. And then for the final 15 minutes, uh, we are open to questions uh, from you, from the audience. So please, uh, as soon as you have a question in your mind, please uh, type it in the chat box and we will get to it after. So first of all, thank you, you for, for being with us tonight. Uh, with your permission, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, with your permission, I'd like to go straight into it. Obviously uh, in recent weeks, especially during the, uh, the Muslim holy month of Ramadan, uh, there's been a lot of flashpoints, uh, specifically on the Temple Mount, Harabayit. Uh, the question to you is, why is the Temple Mount such a highly contested flashpoint? What is its symbolism to both sides in the Israel-Palestinian conflict? Well, thank you for that question. And thank you again for inviting me, Ashley. It's good to be here. Um, well, there's a, a lot to say about this issue, but I'll just start by saying that I think the, the reason that this is such a, you know, the a focal point of, of the conflict and the violence in recent years is because um, the state of Israel, the governments of Israel have just, you know, opened this, um, it, it appears to be a point of weakness for the Israelis, for the Israeli government, for the Israeli police. Um, if you want, I'll elaborate on the history, but just in a nutshell, 1967, Israel takes back um, Jerusalem, the holy city, the, the uh, old city, the Temple Mount, the paratroopers go up there, they put up a flag, and then, you know, days, a few days later, the government of Israel then decides, you know what, this is a holy place for Muslims, maybe the Israelis, the Jews don't care that as much, and we'll just create the status quo, we'll continue uh, giving the walk, uh control, we'll give the Jordanians a way to kind of influence and impact. Um, and that I think created, that was, I call it the orig original sin. I understand the intent, but uh, I think it was completely, it was done without understanding um, what it will cause, what kind of messages it, it kind of uh, sent out to those who were, used to be our enemies and those who are enemies, our, our enemies until today. And so unfortunately, and this, this is something that was invented, let's say, in, already in 1929, it's to say, there is, there is a holy site in Jerusalem on Temple Mount, there's Al-Aqsa, and the Jews are planning to burn it, to destroy it, to defile it. Um, and we have to do something about it. This was invented by uh, the Mufti, Khajamin al-Husseini, and it worked. It worked beautifully, uh, um, of course, close, and created a wave of violence, uh, as I said, almost 100 years ago. And it, it continuously had worked time and time and time again. And I think the beauty of it, that it brings together not just the radicals um, that would like to, you know, to burn and, and to destroy and to kill Jews and, and to destroy the Jewish state, 
but also a lot of Muslims that that's what they see. They've been been feeding these messages uh, to these people for so for so long that eventually they feel like they really do have to come and and, and defend their holy site. And and it works time and time and time and time again. And so I think for a lot of reasons, yes, it is a holy site for Muslims. There's a mosque there. There's a whole story of Islam there. We can talk about it. It's interesting how it kind of came to be. But anyway, today it's, a, it's considered to be a holy site by a lot of Muslims. But I think primarily it's because we are letting it happen. Um, not enough Jews care about this. Not enough Jews know that this is a charade that has continuously been going on. You know, the story has been repeating itself time and time again. And I think today there is a new audience for this. The, the new audience is the international community. And this, is, this has been played out uh, with these messages of the Jews are defiling, conquering, burning, taking over rights, um, um, violating Muslims' free, freedom of religion, freedom of worship. And it's been working also, or maybe even primarily, to weaken Israel, to weaken our, our position uh, in front of the international media, in front of the international um, community. And so uh, I think that, in a nutshell, is an answer to your question, Ashley. You, uh, I noticed you used the word uh, charade or charade uh, during your answer. You wrote a recent article in JNS where you basically used that word frequently and you you, you sort of laid out a script that, as you said, has just been happening again and again. Uh, could you elaborate on that? Yes, of course. So, so the way it works is that uh, uh, a good timing is, is chosen. For example, now it's, it was Ramadan, and Ramadan came together with Pesach this year, more or less. Um, it was the perfect timing. They've been doing the, the rioting in, uh, in Ramadan for years. It's also more or less a year since Guardian of the Wall, it's it, it kind of, everything kind of came together to be a, a perfect time. And so all the radicals, including Hamas and the Islamic movement, uh, the Northern here in Israel, been planning this. And, and, and those of us that are following the, uh, the, the social media or the, or the media of Hamas and all these Islamic uh, elements could have seen it happening. They've been starting weeks in advance to say, the Jews, again, these messages, the Jews are planning to defile, to burn, to destroy, all these inciting messages to kind of, you know, get everybody riled up to know exactly what is happening. You know, they need to come together slowly. This, these calls and these uh, um, warnings become more and more and more kind of radical in their rhetoric, preparing people for the day that they have to stand up and, and defend Al-Aqsa and defend Islam and defend um, you know, there's something in there for everybody. Um, the Palestinian movement, the Arabs, you name it, they have a message for you. And so slowly it kind of develops like that. And then, you know, you see, and, and we can also see, there've been, Hamas is paying money for activists to actually come up Temple Mount. And you see people come up to Al-Aqsa and start to barricade themselves inside and bring rocks and any types of weapons that they can bring in. And you already know the scenario. You know that the Israeli government will give an order to refrain from doing anything, from enforcing the law or, or, or going up there or doing anything unless it is absolutely necessary. And you see the violence starting to occur and people getting hurt and injured and, and lives are being threatened and public order. And then the, you see the Israeli government begging, begging the Waqf for help, begging the Jordanian for help. Obviously, they're not going to do anything. They're in on it. And, and, oh, and then you see the international community starting and the, and the media start to react. 
you know, the, the Jews have, again, violated the status quo. The Jews are this, the Jews are that. Um, slowly, of course, the violence escalates. Um, and, and, and you see everything, everything is known in advance, actually. Unfortunately, as I said, everything is known in advance. And, and we know exactly the condemnations that we'll see across the world. And, uh, and this, for them, is a success. Do you, do you think, um, following off on that, obviously, we've seen many of these scenes before. Do you think there was anything unique in this year? Do you think that they went further than previously? And then if so, in, in what way? Well, I think it, it kind of, there's a, an organic way, I think, in which this grows from year to year. Um, we've already seen these images of, of, of Muslims uh, really basically defiling their own holy place, uh, destroying it, playing soccer. There were images. Uh, that we, we could have seen on social media of them playing soccer, walking with their shoes. Whoever knows Islam knows this is this is unheard of uh, for Muslims, for a true believer to walk on these carpets with, with shoes on or throw rocks and, and, and create all that damage. So um, I, I think we, every time this is repeating itself, I think we can see, you know, the amount of people um, maybe growing and the condemnation from international media, as you can call it that, um, you know, expand. And I think this year, what was extremely troubling for me is, is our new friends, and I, and I say honestly, our new friends in Bahrain and our new friends in the United Emirates are, I think in a way, are, are backed into a corner because, the, you know, the Arab street is just going crazy thinking that this is what the Jews, their new friends are doing. Uh, to Muslims or to the Islam holy site. And so I think in a way they were backed into a corner and had to kind of say something. And, uh, and this, uh, this, I think, was the most tragic result, uh, among others, of course. But if we, if we don't change our strategy, it will just get worse from year to year after. So, so I'd, like, I'd like you to elaborate on that more, if possible. What do you think Israel is doing wrong? Uh, specifically uh, towards the rioters on the Temple Mount, and what should Israel be doing? Well, I, let's start with uh, with the basics, okay? When we hear the leaders of our own government, and this is it's not just this government, let me just say, but I've been hearing this for years, but to hear our leaders um, apologize and basically, you know, begging the world to, un to, to understand and believe them that Israel is not breaking the status quo, that it's, that it's Really, it, it, it's like saying that if, if Jews were really praying on Temple Mount, then we were really doing something wrong. And this, I think, is outrageous. We, we need to change the tune completely. The, the, fact, it, the fact that Jews are not allowed to pray or the, the entry of Jews is so limited to anywhere in the world, by the way. It's not just the fact that it's in Israel. It's not just the fact that it's an historical and religious site. To anywhere is completely outrageous. It's, it's an infringement on any type of right that I can think of, not just a freedom of religion, but also just freedom of movement. Um, I've been around the world to uh, pagodas and mosques and churches. No one ever said that I can't go in there because I'm Jewish. The one place that I'm restricted from going up to is, is here in this, in this country, in this land. So first we have to change our tune. Never, not stop apologizing, understanding that this is the strategy. Maybe play it out for world leaders and international media before it happens. When we start seeing, you know, those type of inciting messages going around Arab media or Arab social media, beat, beat them to it. Go to the world and say, this is how it's going to play out. 
show them how you know this is kind of planned in advance, who's paying the money, you know, the, the, the responsibilities behind it. And I think we have to, to, to start saying the fact that a Jew, you know, is, 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 is walking anywhere, anywhere, is, cannot be um, a, a legal problem, cannot be honestly considered to be a violation of, of someone else's rights or international law and all that nonsense that, that I, as a, especially as a, as a legal expert, hear all the time. It's, it's, it's honestly, it's completely the opposite. And we, not, we need to start making it very clear. Thank you. Uh, one more question before we go to uh, some of the uh, participant questions. This is, um, this is obviously for the Israel Victory Project. And I think here, some have suggested there's an imbalance of understanding and symbolism between the two sides. For most Israelis, the Temple Mount is relatively irrelevant. Very few people never even think about going up there. You know, as we've seen with 200,000 people, I believe, last night on the Temple Mount, uh, Palestinians or Arabs, or Arabs and Israelis or others, you know, how, how does this play out? Do you, do you see that the Palestinians see this as part of the conflict? Do you think that they gain momentum from this? Do you think Israel loses something? Do you think Israel misunderstands the symbolism for the other side? You think that's that's maybe where the, uh, part of the problem lies? A hundred percent. I think it's uh, if you examine the two sides, then you know the the radicals on the Islamist side are continuously brainwashing the Arab street with these messages of you know lies, obviously, but at least I don't know if at least, but they're very active on getting people riled up about you know, the symbolism and the meaning of, of Al-Aqsa and, and, and the entire area and, and the fact that they need to be very active and even pay a price in order to stop the Jews from changing the status quo or doing something to ruin Al-Aqsa, ruin the, the freedom of worship for Muslims in this country. And, and, and on the other side, nothing, silence. If you hear anything at all, it's, all, it's after violence has already started to occur, as I said, and then you hear our leader, our leaders apologize, as I said earlier. So I think if we are, we have to be more active in explaining to people that you're, even if you're not a religious Jew, you want to go up to see an historical place. It should not, it, 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 it cannot be that it, there's something wrong with the actual visiting of, of a place, any place. And we need to understand how the other side has kind of plays this game as we have explained. And the fact, again, that it's not new. It's not, you know, I remember when, when the Second Intifada broke uh, uh, the year 2000, actually, if you remember, the story that they told back then is, you know, it was because Ariel Sharon went up Temple Mount. I mean, it's the same excuse. They always find, you know, the, 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 the story of the day. But it's the same story over and over again, starting from the 1920s. So we have to be more active in, in explaining to our own people what this is really about. Thank you. Okay, now we're going to go to some questions. There's a lot of questions. We probably won't be able to go through all of them, which shows the level of interest uh, uh, in what you're saying, Yifa. And I apologize to those whose questions we will not get to, but uh, we're gonna start with um, H. Fragman Abramson who says, there is a treaty with Jordan that limits work uh, control. Can you elaborate on the details and why it's not enforced? Well, yes, um, 
the agreement, um, but basically the voluntary concession that uh, the Israeli government has made after 1967 created this, the status quo that is a lot um, less bad than what we understand the status quo to be today. Uh, for example, the, the Israeli law and the authority for the Israeli police and the Israeli army to enforce was, was, was defined as very properly in that declaration, in that status quo in 1967. And as you see today, Israeli law doesn't really apply, does it? I mean, they do whatever they want. They change structures, they limit uh, visitations, they don't allow fundamental rights of Israeli law to exist, freedom of movement, uh, freedom of worship. So if, if, if anything at all, then the status quo that was created in 1967, that was bad to begin with, was only, is only deteriorating uh, um, to benefit the Islamists and to harm you know, the situation uh, from year to year, basically. Thank you, Asha. That follows up very nicely to a question from Alan Friedman. If 1967 was the quote-unquote original sin, what should Israel have done with the Temple Mount then? Well, I think if you, if you look around Israel and, and you can find a lot of holy places for a lot of people, for any religion, basically, I think, on planet Earth uh, has something here. And as long as these places are under Israeli law and Israeli control and the Israeli police is there, is the authority to enforce the law, then there are no problems. I don't see any problems anywhere else. There are mosques, there are holy sites of, of, of different sorts. So if this was the situation today, on the Temple Mount, even in Al-Aqsa. You know, uh, you and I both know, the 150 people that are now listening, all of us know that Israel would have allowed freedom of, of, of worship to, to Muslims uh, 100%. So we would have seen today a situation on the Temple Mount similar to what it is in every other place in the country. Thank you. Uh, David Gluck asks, would a change in the status quo weaken the Jordanian king? Uh, destabilizing the peace with Jordan. We've seen quite a lot about this, that the Jordanians actually want to change the status quo and are maybe going to summon Israel at some point after Ramadan. There's, there's talk about that in the press, uh, about that they want to change it, obviously, towards their position. Uh, do you think that if Israel pushes back too much and does change the status quo, this could destabilize uh, the Jordanian monarchy and perhaps the country itself and the peace with Israel? Well, I think whoever's asking the question is very wise and is aware of the fact that the situation is very complex. Um, the Jordanian king doesn't have, you know, is, is very concerned, I think rightfully so, about the support of his people and the, and the possibility of a coup uh, within Jordan. And so his power, authority over uh, the holy sites in Jerusalem and other places is, gives, them, gives him some power. And so to appear to be weak uh, in that regard would, you know, very possibly weaken him. Um, but, you know, there's a balance that we, that we have to kind of make sure that he understands he needs to keep because he can't eat his cake and have it too. He can't rely on Israel for his survival like, like he did basically with all the years when ISIS is threatening his borders. And, and I think in a lot of ways, the fact that his head is still connected to his neck is, is because of his Israelis, and he knows that. So I think definitely there is place to leverage that, uh, you know, his dependency on Israel to, uh, to, to at least do a better job 
in, in, in making sure that this is not reoccurring. And uh, we need to stand our ground. I mean, we, we can't just, you know, decide on the faith of our people. And, uh, you know, it, it would have been one thing if this had proven to succeed. It, it doesn't. I mean, there are riots inside Israel every year. There's problems, there's terrorism, there's incitement. Uh, it's not like it's working. So I think we, can, we should definitely, you know, make sure that we protect our own interests and, and have a honest conversation with the king. I mean, you can't have the, your cake and eat it too. Let's find a way to make this work. That, that is actually a better uh, situation, better scenario than what we have. Okay, thank you. Next question is from David Levine, and I'd like to elaborate on it. David asks, don't you think the Palestinians did this in order to embarrass the Gulf states? And my elaboration is that, uh, especially as we see in the region, you know, uh, we see more moderate countries coming together with the Abraham Accords and other sort of behind the scenes. Uh, but there's also the more extremist uh, axes led by Iran and others. Uh, do you think that that is very much playing out on the Temple Mount? Do you think that played into it? Do you think that there was an extra emphasis this year, specifically because what is happening in the region in the geopolitical sense? Well, I, I can't be sure. I think uh, I, I would guess that this is the cherry on top and not you know, the primary motive. Because as I said, we, we've seen this play out year after year, um, you know, for so many years, way before anyone ever dreamt about the Abram Accords. Well, we have dreamt about it, but didn't really think it was gonna come true anytime soon. Um, so I would say it's the cherry on top and probably not the primary motive. Okay, uh, Stephen Orlo asks, in light of the recent history regarding rioting by Israeli Arabs, I guess he's referring to last year, uh, have we seen any new involvement by Israeli Arabs in Harbite uh, disturbances or rioting specifically? Well, we've uh, we've seen we, we do see a lot of uh, Israeli Arabs uh, that come there voluntarily, or Israeli Arabs that come there before they're, because they're being paid. Um, the the what happened last year is has been a major concern. I think a wake up call to a lot of Israelis. Um, I, I do want to say that, you know, during those days, I mean, there's now the March of the Living just happened in, in Poland uh, a few days ago, and there was a huge uh, delegation of Israeli Arabs, uh, Muslims, a lot of Muslims, some Christians, and you see the, you see the Muslims pray, um, you know, there outside of Auschwitz or, or other places, and it was just beautiful to see. So I, I think, you know, what happened last year contributed to a lot of Arabs kind of coming out and saying, no, this is not our way, this is not who we are. But on the other hand, it also exposed a lot of the, uh, of the radicals. So we, there's a lot of work ahead. Let's, I mean, let's not kid ourselves. There's a lot of work ahead. Okay, in the chat, Stephen Schechter says, suggests, I should say, uh, Israel should close the Al-Aqsa Mosque until further notice and announce that if there are any violent protests, all mosques in Israel will be closed until further notice. Can you comment on that? Yeah, I, I, I think that, uh, you know, we have to be smart and do things, you know, carefully. So I'm not sure I would have just, you know, because basically that's kind of giving them what they want because they, they, they claim this is what we wanted all along. For us, to, you know, for Muslims to not have their freedom of worship here in the in the office of the state of Israel, you don't want to give them that, uh, and we don't want to do that because it's not our values. So I think we need to be a bit more uh, creative and sophisticated and a bit more determined, uh, you know, to for this to have a price to be paid. 
but I wouldn't go that far. What do you think uh, should be done? Obviously, there's now another 11 months or so until the next Ramadan, and that seems to be the high and focal point for the riots on the Temple Mount. Obviously, looking ahead, you know, what, what should Israel be doing perhaps in the next 11 months to get ready for this? What could it be doing locally? What could it be doing internationally, diplomatically? Um, do you think it, it, is there anything that it can do? Or do you now see that this is just, this is just gonna happen and Israel has to just accept that once a year there will be this rioting. Is there something during the meantime that it could be doing uh, ahead of next year's Ramadan? Well, there are a lot of things that, you know, I believe um, the state of Israel should do. Well, first of all, I think, as I mentioned earlier, we can, you know, God forbid, can, play in, can plan in advance. Uh, so we know when Ramadan is, we can set, uh, we can prepare uh, media kits, we can prepare briefings, we can prepare reports, do everything in advance, right before Ramadan, right when you see them kind of start, you know, uh, getting everyone riled up. You know, have a plan. You have a, a year to work on it. Get every everyone notified in time, right before they do. Um, and and you know, there are enough smart people here to be able to do this in a very smart and creative way if we just put our head to it. Second thing is that I think we need to be uh, a lot more minded to kind of help the people here, that the minority here that wants to be a part of, that want to integrate, they want to be good citizens, and there are a lot of these people here. So we need to really be active in reaching out to them and helping them out and, uh, and, and see if we can, you know, even create mechanisms that encourage people to, you know, to give information about others that are planning terror attacks, um, even financial rewards or anything like that. We need to have stricter um, uh, mechanisms of, 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 of enforcement, let's say. I think you should have financial, um, let's say, fines for all kinds of terror-related offenses. It, it shouldn't be just jail or go home like there is today. Um, there's a lot more to do um, that I think we need to kind of get better at it. And there's, there are a lot of good ideas out there. I'd like to put, uh, uh, for you to put on your former chief of staff to the Israel ambassador to the US's hat, just for a minute. Um, what do you think of America's reaction to this? Do you think it was strong enough? Do you think it was loud enough? Do you think it was, uh, do you think Israel did a good enough job diplomatically? Because obviously the US as uh, Israel's uh, you know, leading partner and closest ally uh, is very important, not just for Israel, but also in, in the region with, with many other major players uh, around us. Do you, what, what do you think of America's role? What, you know, how did they react? And do you believe it was good enough? And do you believe that our job in working with the Americans on this was good enough? Well, I think yes and no. I think um, you know, this administration, like I think every administration in the last maybe at least 50 years has been uh, very supportive of Israel, although there are radical elements in, in, within the Democratic Party that are you know, seriously opposed um, even the existence of the state of Israel. But I think the administration has been a good friend to us. I think sometimes they don't understand, like they don't understand um, what we have just been spending the last 20 something minutes talking about, how this has been orchestrated from the start. Like this is not something that we create, that was created today because of something this government or another did. Um, we're not we're not being good enough, I think, with that. I remember when I was there, we, we dealt with the uh, um, 
Shimon HaTzadik, you know, the riots that were, were surrounding Shimon HaTzadik uh, issue. And I don't think, again, there's no a serious kit that was prepared with facts and in advance before things kind of blow up. And this was another example. We knew this was coming. I'm, we, I say Israel. Um, also now, we know this is coming. So we need to be the first ones. Uh, and I remember, that I learned this as a very valuable lesson because uh, even when, when, when I was there doing Guardian of the Walls, we weren't fast enough to get to the Americans first with information that we initiate uh, with explaining what we are going to do or what is about to happen or what is about to be played out in Israel. And this is, I think, it, we have a, a, a room for improvement. I, don't, I can't even say words that are you know, strong enough, I think. We need, we need to be prepared and give them the information first, because if they call us angry about what they've seen on the news or heard from their friends and colleagues, and now we have to apologize and explain, it's already a problem. So this is the first thing that I would change and, and change dramatically. Thank you very much, Yifa. And with that, we've come to the end. I'd like to uh, take this opportunity to thank you so much for a fascinating uh, talk and update of what's going on. Uh, you know, from, from your lips to uh, some of the decision makers in Israel and around the world's ears. And uh, let's, uh, I'm, I'm sure everyone will be keeping their eye on what's going on in uh, Temple Mount Harabayat in, in the months and, and years to come. Uh, just for those who are interested on Wednesday at three o'clock Eastern Standard Time, I'll be giving my weekly update on what's going on in Israeli politics, Israel Insider, three o'clock Eastern Standard Time, 10 o'clock uh, Israel time. I hope to see you then. Thank you again, Yinfa, and good night from Israel. Thank you very much. Thank you, everyone.